0: Please listen to God's inspired word. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him, the Son of Man, uh, be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And then I'm gonna add a little extra verse that wasn't in the bulletin because it's important. Now after eight days, these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. Okay. Lord Jesus, uh, I, I'm really a, a broken vessel. I, uh, in myself, I could never even understand your word. I pray your spirit would help me to, uh, to faithfully exposit this word and preach it. Uh, I pray that I wouldn't err... Uh, I pray that you would work uh, in people's hearts, that they might uh, grow closer to you and understand you and know you this morning and meet you uh, relationally this morning. I pray that that, uh, this word would be clear, and I pray that people would be inspired to go out and deny themselves and take up their cross. I pray that in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, gotta get pull out my sermon here. This is this is like an old school thumb drive, this is what that is. See, we had stuff back then, just as effective. All right, it was. I mean, everybody's going back to vinyl, right? You know, I mean, it was better then. It was too, okay, I'm so going to go off on a tangent here. It was, it, it's too easy to get information now. It was so much more fun when I was young to have to track down information. Now I just do this, or, or not even that, I just say something. and Anyway, all right, sorry, enough of that. Um, so I want to start off with a sermon. Uh, we just read that passage, and uh, I already feel like a hypocrite, all right? Um, this is, I've been struggling with this all week. I'm going to preach this sermon, uh, but I have failed to live up to this. Uh, if you, if you've read the Sermon on the Mount, when you come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everybody who reads that thinks, who could possibly do this, right? Well, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I, I have to believe that. So uh, let's just take this verse by verse, and that's the thing about this church. Most of our preaching is expository, going verse by verse through uh, books of the Bible, and that means you can't, that means you can't avoid anything, right? <laughs> you can't skip over anything. So we're going to have to just deal head on with this today. Um, so I'm going to start in verse 23. He said, and he said to all... Uh, just starting off with the first few words there, by the way, I should say this is in Luke 9, 23 through 28, if you were, are searching for it in your, in your Bible. Luke 9, 23 to 28. And starting in 23, uh, he starts off, he says, he said to all. In the parallel passage in Mark, he actually says he calls the multitudes. He called the multitude to himself. So that's very important. As I, re- As I go through these verses, you need to understand that he is preaching to a multitude, not just the disciples. He's preaching to a multitude, which of course means he's preaching to us. We are part of the multitude. So he's preaching to everyone here. If anyone would uh, come after me, uh, come after me, that, again, we... we Uh, come after me, what does that mean? Well, Jesus' followers, his disciples, would walk behind him. That's what that means. If anyone wants to walk behind him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So let's stop there at verse 23. What does that mean? If we want to be disciples of Jesus, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And follow him. So what does that mean? How do we deny ourselves and take up our cross? Um, Well, there are a lot of scriptures that I want to bring to bear that sort of shed uh, light on this. Um, Of course, in Galatians 4.22, we learn about our old unregenerate selves and our new selves that are a new creation of the Spirit. And we want to deny our old selves. And sometimes it's depicted as crucifixion. For example, in Galatians 2, it says that we are crucified in Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. So this has happened already in some sense. It's got an already and a not yet aspect to it. We are taking up our cross like criminals who have been punished, we are carrying our cross to our ultimate crucifixion, but in some sense our old self has been crucified in Christ. It is no longer we who live. Then we have another wonderful verse in Romans 6.6 6 that I'd like to like to lead. Please read. Please have patience. Um, I'm, I'm really slow with technology, so as which is this inferior new technology that I that I use here. So let's read Romans six six. You don't have to turn there. We know that our old self, our old unregenerate man, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For he who has died has been set free. Amen? So... We have, in some sense, been crucified. This has already been accomplished. But then again, there's also a not yet aspect to it. We have been crucified in Christ. We are, our old self is dead. It is Christ that lives in us. But there's a not yet. Let me, it's in the same book, Romans. Let's um, read in Romans 8, just two chapters later. It says this. This is in Romans 8, 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into a fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions of so, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we are required now in this life, even though we've been crucified in Christ, we are required to put to death our sin by the power of the Spirit. Um, and we know um, in Galatians 5:6, so the Spirit is definitely doing this, work in us. It's our spirit. If, if we are Christians, as we just read, we have the spirit in us, don't we? And if we have the spirit in us, we will put to death the, the, our sins. But it's the spirit that's doing it, but it's also, we have some agency in this. We know from Galatians five sixteen that what counts is our faith working itself out through love. In Second Peter, What does 2 Peter say? He says, make every effort to add perseverance, love, all of these things to your faith. Make effort. Is that a dirty word? Effort in the church? You hear a lot that it's not our effort. Absolutely, it is the Spirit, and it is the Spirit's power, but we are called in faith to make effort. It just says it in the Bible. Um. And, of course, in Philippians 2, what does it say? God works in us to will and to do for his own pleasure. That's God working. But what does it say right after that? So work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So all through the Bible, it's the power of God, first of all on the cross, where we were already crucified, where we are, it is already him living in us, through his spirit that puts to death, our sins now in our sanctification, and it is also our faith and our effort. We are called in faith to deny ourselves. We are called to deny ourselves. Am I making sense? Okay. Then it says, of course, to take up your cross. Well, if you're taking up your cross, uh, that's, of course, what... uh, That's, of course, what criminals had to do on the way to crucifixion, right? So it's not just bear this burden now and then go have a Coke afterwards. It's bear this burden on the way to your execution, right? And that's the already and not yet that I was just talking about, right? We have to bear our cross now, deny ourselves, but we're headed ultimately Uh, where everything is going to be completely accomplished. All of our sins are going to be put to death one day. But it's going to be painful, is it not? And it's going to involve suffering. It's going to involve suffering. Let me read one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, Because another one of these that I want to ignore. This is 1 Peter 4... Twelve. This is awful. <laughs> Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happened to you, happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So do not be surprised when a fiery trial comes upon you. And you must bear your cross as we will see in the next verse it'll become more clear there's a lot that goes into bearing your cross one aspect of bearing your cross is suffering persecution that is a context here and part of that is and a part of bearing your cross is suffering through fiery trials and if you don't suffer through fiery trials that means that you're not a believer Okay, it's like Todd. Where's Todd? Todd, yeah, hi, Todd. Todd often says, Christians who aren't interested in evangelism is not a thing. He says that. Well, Christians who don't suffer is not a thing. It's not. We must. We're called to bear our cross and suffer. More on, I'll I'll explain that. Hold on to that. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that more when we get to the next verse. Um, of course, there is also an aspect bearing your cross as simply trusting and obeying in Jesus from day to day. That's hard. Have you ever tried to love people? <laughs> That's suffering. And I, you're laughing, but I am not even joking at all. It's suffering. Just trusting in Christ is hard. It's suffering. Now... So we need to trust and obey, and this is, by the way, we need to suffer willingly, unlike the condemned criminal. We need to suffer daily, it says. We daily take up our cross. Not just one day we're going to go be crucified, but every day we're carrying that cross to our death. Now, I need to pause here for a minute. We've talked about the need to be willing to suffer. We've talked about the need to put to death our sins through the Spirit and through our faith and effort to deny ourselves and to trust and obey Jesus and to love people. That's a lot. That's carrying your cross every day. But I want to pause here for a minute. This passage um, has an emphasis on human responsibility, this particular passage. That's why I've kind of been talking about This is a challenge to us day to day to do things, okay? But, of course, we know there are many other passages that emphasize God's grace as well. We know that he is, from John, he is the vine and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So effort apart from uh, the Spirit's power is completely useless. We also know, and from Hebrews, that we're supposed to daily boldly approach his throne of grace, right? There's always forgiveness. He has, in fact, already put to death all our sins. Remember, it's we're doing it now, but it's already been done as well. And so it's not just about constant fear of judgment. It's about, as you fail, going before him, confessing your failures, asking for his power, uh, being in relationship with him and having his love pour out on your spirit. Okay, are you with me on that? Uh, Christians do not have a spirit of fear, of judgment. They don't. We, have a, we know God's grace. So I don't want to give you the wrong idea here. I don't want to, it's just, just this particular passage tends to uh, emphasize human responsibility. Are you with me on that? So that's kind of why I'm a little bit on that side. Everybody okay? Anybody want to leave now? Or <laughs> All right. Yes. So this is all uh, God's power, and when we fail, God has forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future. Thank God uh, for that. Now, after this, let me return here to uh, let me return to Luke. So we we sort of talked about one verse. Um, no, not Luke twenty four. Luke nine. So we've talked about if anyone would come after me, uh, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For, okay, then it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Okay, so that's three verses that start with four. That means those three verses that I just read, 24, 25, and 26, are sort of the basis for our denying ourselves and taking up our cross, okay? So these verses will illuminate what does it mean to deny ourselves and take up our cross. What does it mean to save our life? What does it mean to lose our life by saving it? What does it mean to save our life by losing it? Well, how do we save our life in the bad way and ultimately lose it. Well, you the first thing that pops in your head when you read this is just three chapters later, Luke 12. We think of the rich fool who stored up all his treasure. in He got a barn so he could store up all of his treasures. And then he died and all of his treasures were gone, right? He was trying to save his life, but he ended up losing it. He ended up having nothing. Uh, that's in Luke 12, 16 through 21. We can read about that. So it, so, par, so one way we can save our life in a bad way and lose it is to hoard up all of our material wealth. We are, have you heard of like the 1%? You know, like in, in our country, people sometimes talk about the 1%, right? You know, the, the people that are wealthiest. Well, the truth is, everyone in this church is in the top .0001%, more like, if you look historically. It may not feel like that way to you, but uh, we are generally, maybe not everyone, but generally as a church, we are rich, and we need not to save our lives by hoarding up our wealth. That's one aspect, but there's so many other aspects to this. How do we lose our life by saving it? Well, look at the commandments. Why do we lie? Why do we lie? We lie because we think we're going to lose something if we don't lie, right? Why do we steal? We think we need it. We're going to lose something if we don't steal. Same with murder. What about adultery? What about our sexual sin? We're afraid, we feel like we're going to lose something really important and worldly if we don't indulge in our sexual desires. So in many ways, we are often trying to save our lives in a bad way, day to day. Are we not? Do you agree? That's a constant battle for us. We're trying to hold on to our worldly things. I do this. I do this. Sometimes I waste time, okay? I'm trying to save my time. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's the path to, uh, to losing your life. So how do we lose our life to save it? Okay, well, one way is, and again, you have to look at the parallel passage in Mark. In the parallel passage in Mark, he says... Um, he says to take up, he says we need to take up our cross uh, for the sake of me and my gospel. Okay, is what he says in the parallel passage in Mark. This is not in Luke, what we're reading, but in the parallel passage in, in Mark, uh, Jesus actually says we take up our cross daily for the sake of the gospel and of and for me, for me and my gospel. So... Uh, so definitely, part of our denying ourselves and not losing our life, but saving our life by losing it, is devoting ourselves to Christ and the gospel. Okay, so that could mean that could mean a lot of things. It could mean um, it could mean evangelism. It certainly it could mean ministering to people in the the gospel, or do or supporting other people who are ministering in the gospel. As I said when I prayed for the uh, prayer and care team, what's always alongside the gospel and the scriptures is mercy ministry. Let me read you another verse. This verse is from Matthew, Matthew 25. This is Matthew 25, verse 31. Okay, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him. Ah, let me skip down just a little bit. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we do these things? They didn't even know they were ministering to Jesus. So what does it mean to lose our life? It's to not hold on to worldly things, to not hold on to sin, to not hold on to old religion as well. That's another way people uh, save their life, is they hold on to useless religion, useless, um, useless attempts to uh, represent God through created things, um, through ritual and things like that. But how uh, many of us lose our life? Instead of saving our life by, by giving ourselves to mercy ministry to the gospel, we, we try to save our life by holding on to our time, by holding on to our sin. Are you with me? That's what we're doing. That's what all of us are struggling with. Of course, it goes without saying, Jesus did this, didn't he? Did Jesus take up his cross? Absolutely. He, did he go to his death? And you know what he experienced on the cross? He experienced darkness, You know what that darkness was? That darkness was he had a perfect union with God beyond anything, any joy that any of us could possibly understand, and he gave that up. He denied that, and he experienced the darkness of his loving Father's rejection of him. That's what he experienced on the cross for us. He definitely took up his cross, and he went there, and now he wants us to—he uh, wants us to—to—to to, to follow us um, in that. Now I, I should say that this taking up your cross and you know denying ourselves and heading to and crucifying our sins, um, this really does have a blessing in this life as well. In Romans 6:20 20 through 21, he says that our past way of life that we're holding on to, there was no fruit in that, he says. In Psalm 19, we learn that God's commandments are like honey. So if we follow God now and if we deny our old self, there's actually joy in that in this life too. But it's also suffering. And there's a warning here. And it's all over scripture. Jesus said, many will say to you, uh, Lord, Lord. Uh, he, you know, and, and he'll say, I never knew you, right? It, Jesus says it. It's possible that people can think that Jesus is their Lord, but he never knew them. James, of course, requires us to prove our, our works are proved by our faith. Or sorry, our faith, I said that backwards. Our faith is proved by our works. Well, I guess it does work both ways if you think about it. Uh, our faith is proved by our works. So there is a warning here. But again, I don't want to just you know, dwell on that. And uh, you know, we, we know that uh, there's also tons of grace here. Um, but there is a warning. If you're continually trying to save your life every day throughout your life, you have to ask, do I really believe? And what does it say in verse 26? So let's go back to the passage, Luke. Luke 9, 20, let's looking for, look for verse 25 here, 26, rather. For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. <sighs> this passage. <laughs> uh, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Now I'm encouraged by Peter's life here, right? What happened to Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times. Why? Because he was ashamed of Christ. But he was forgiven. He was forgiven and became one of the leaders for the church. So I'm encouraged by God's amazing grace that over and over again he forgives us, even if we're ashamed of him. But we need to turn from our shame. We need to ask, are we embarrassed by him? Are we afraid of consequences? The Bible says we shouldn't fear man, but we should fear God, the one who casts us into hell. In John, John 44, you know what Jesus says? He's talking to unbelievers, and he says, you can't believe in me, is what he says. You can't believe in me. Why? Because you seek the glory of man. If you seek the glory of man, you are incapable of believing in Jesus, is what Jesus says. Seeking the glory of man is a big issue. We need to not do that. We need to lose our life that seeks glory of man, the blessings of the world, we need to be able to let that go. We need to cry out to God for the power to fear God and not man. Do, you know, I think about this a lot. Like, I work at at Denison, right? And all the other professors around me, just about none of them are Christians. And I'm alone, completely alone, every day. I'm in meetings, and I'm constantly wondering, am I representing Christ faithfully here? And it's a battle, because if I can't really stand up and start preaching the gospel, that's not what I was hired to do, right? But boy, there are times when I go out of a meeting, and I'm like, I, I lied in that meeting. I was not truthful. Does this resonate with any of you? That maybe you think, I didn't represent the truth like I could have. We don't, I don't necessarily have to stand on the table and preach Jesus, but boy, I, I really gave the appearance there that I go along with something that, that I don't. I was trying to save my life, save my job. Heck, I wasn't, it wasn't even my job. I've got tenure, you know. <laughs> it, it's, it's not, I know, so I have no excuse, right, you know, I can't be fired. But you know what? I can be condemned by everyone I work with. I don't want to be condemned by everyone I work with. But here I'm called in these verses. I need to deny myself, take up my cross. I need to be willing to tell the truth and not save my life. There is a personable, personal dimension to this with Jesus, by the way. I'm going to read again. This is going later on in, in Luke. This is in Luke 22. 22-28. He he's talking to the disciples late um, in, in Luke. And he says, "'You are those who have stayed with me in my trials.'" And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Why? Because they are the ones who stood with him in his trials. So there is a personal relationship with Jesus aspect to this, right? To not being ashamed of Jesus and taking up our cross and not saving our life. There's a personal aspect. Jesus says to take up your cross and deny yourself for the sake of me and my gospel. So we're supposed to do this for the sake of Jesus. We are supposed to be with him in our trials. One other verse here, Romans, sorry, I've got so many verses here today. Romans 8, 17. This is a good one. Matthew, technology, sorry, 8, 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified for him. We must suffer, we are called to suffer with him, with Jesus. When we are suffering, when we are being persecuted, when we are trying to love crappy people that's it, really painful, uh, we are suffering with Christ. And there's a relational aspect to us. Being ashamed of suffering you're being ashamed of suffering with Jesus, who's the one that you love more than anyone else in the world. Does that make sense? So that's another reason why it's so awful to be ashamed of Jesus. We're supposed to love Jesus. We're supposed to walk with him. We're supposed to share in his sufferings. So we need to turn away from that by the Spirit. And, of course, we know a student is not greater than his master, right? If the master will suffer... uh, We will too, and we need to take up our cross and do that. Now, this last verse, this is verse uh, 27. We've talked a lot about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and all the different things that that means, whether that be uh, suffering persecution, whether that be loving people, trusting and obeying Jesus, uh, putting to death our sins, all of that is very painful, Uh, and we are called in the Spirit's power Uh, to do that. Um, But then in verse 27, he sort of uh, goes off on a little tangent here. He says uh, that many of you will not taste death until they see the kingdom coming in glory. What does that mean? Has the kingdom come in glory yet? I mean, because all the people he was talking to at the time are dead, right? All the people that he was talking to are dead, But it says that many of them will not taste death until they see him coming in glory. What does this mean? Well, there are a lot of people that debate this and sort of, you know, wonder what it means. Here are some things that I think it definitely means all of these things. First of all, the very next passage, which I guess is next week's sermon, is about the transfiguration right, the transfiguration of Jesus. And definitely Peter, James, and John were there uh, to see that. So that was definitely that in one way directly in the very next verse uh, fulfills it. Um, There's definitely his resurrection that many of them saw. Um, And then there's also Pentecost. That happened 50 days after uh, he left And uh, what was Pentecost? That was when we all received visibly God's spirit. And everywhere you see the kingdom talked about in the scriptures, it's really talking about the presence of Jesus and the presence of his spirit. In Romans uh, 14, 14, uh, 17, let me read that. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is a matter of peace and of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. The Spirit came visibly at Pentecost. And there were people that Jesus was talking to at this time in our passage in Luke who did not, who did not live to see that. But there were many that did uh, live to see Pentecost. So I think all of those things, the transfiguration, the resurrection, the Pentecost, and I would even say the growth of the church by the Holy Spirit, those are all, I would say, um, ways in which the people he was talking to did not taste death until they see the kingdom coming in glory. There are people who argue that the destruction of the, the temple in Jerusalem uh, in 70 AD, about 30-some years after this, is also an example of this, um, but there's a lot of people who disagree with that. I'll just leave that up to you to read about. Um, I would say the destruction of the temple was more of a wrath kind of thing uh, than him coming in glory, but, but I, could, I see some arguments there that that was prophesied by Jesus that was going to happen, that the Jewish temple would be destroyed later, And it happened, so you could view that as well as uh, some aspect of of Jesus' uh, kingdom coming. I don't know about that one. There's a lot of disagreement there. Okay, so to sort of wrap this up, What was the last verse that I included that I wasn't supposed to include? So I was supposed to talk about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and not being ashamed of Jesus, but I added one more verse. That's when Jesus went with Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to pray, okay? Because that is the only response to this passage. This passage, I have just laid into, this is what is required of the Christian life. This is what we are called to do in the power of the Spirit. We are called to deny ourselves. We are called to take up our cross, to suffer, to put to death our sins. Uh, we are called to not be ashamed of Jesus, but to love him and take part in his sufferings. This is all impossible in our own power. So we want to need to follow Jesus and what he did, and we want to need to go to the mountain, and we need to pray we need to read his word and call out to him to give us the power to increasingly grow in this and know that I haven't talked about it much because it wasn't in this passage, but there's so much grace. God, uh, God loves us even when we're faithless, it says. He's faithful um, and uh, we know that, we know from Philippians that God is faithful to complete the work that he started in us. So we, can, we, we don't have to respond to this, this passage in fear. We can be overwhelmed by it and be like, how can I possibly do this? But we know we have God's love. But let's not just ignore the passage. Let's not just sit here and say, well, thank God I've got God's grace because I can't do that. Let's not stop there. Let's let the Bible speak. Let's not turn away from these problem passages. I read so many verses that are hard. Um, but this is what we're called to do, to repent and turn away from our sin. And let me tell you, repenting, and sin, does, sin has no value, right? The world doesn't have any value. We know this from the scriptures, and we know this from our experience, True joy is in trusting and obeying in Jesus. And actually by losing our life and giving it to Christ, we can actually save it. And that means joy even in this life, but certainly eternal reward as well. Amen? All right.